You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony. Do not defraud, honour your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard, is it, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Peter said to him, We have left everything to follow you. I tell you the truth, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields and with them persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Next weekend will mark my 70th birthday. Some months ago, I booked two chalets at Centre Parks and invited my children and grandchildren to join us for a long weekend. That was to be my present to myself. The pleasure of their company and seeing them have a good time. But with all the recent worry, we had a family discussion. And rather than spend a weekend in busy restaurants, a busy swimming pool, a busy leisure centre, we decided we would seek to postpone or to cancel. So I rang centre parks and they were less than helpful. In fact, I would say they were downright obstructive. They had no intention of letting me change my booking and they certainly had no intention of letting go of my money. I'd paid for all of it up front. It was a lot of money. I got rather cross, I'm afraid to say. The girl on the other end of the phone, of course, was not responsible for all those decisions, yet she bore the brunt of my irritation. Over the next 24 hours, I relaxed a bit and came to a rather more measured decision about where to go. But actually, 
Only a day later, Centre Parks contacted me and invited me to defer my booking at no extra charge. What a relief. But then I thought, how ironic that in the middle of preparing a sermon about the love of money, I should get so angry about losing some. And the more I reflected on this, the more uncomfortable I felt. And you know, I think this story that Anna's just read to us should make us all uncomfortable. So what does the story tell us? I want to start by just giving a little context. In the Old Testament Jewish world, wealth was viewed in a very particular way. It was seen as being evidence of God's blessing. The rich man was rich because he had God's approval. So the rich didn't just have social status, they had spiritual status as well. So in that queue at heaven's gate, the rich would be seen to be occupying the front places. So let's have a think about the story. It's easy to gloss over the first sentence. The man ran to Jesus and threw himself at Jesus' feet. This was a, a young man full of emotion, of desire. Good teacher, he said. Jesus pulled him up short. No one is good except God. The teacher has immediately deflected the young man's attention from himself to God, as every good Christian teacher should. And then Jesus gave him a list of commandments. Have you followed these? And what an interesting list it is. Nearly all of it is a list of the don't do this variety. Murder, adultery, theft, slander, dishonesty, all the things not to do. These are all necessary commands for us to lead a respectable life. But is respectable enough? These certainly are not enough for you to be leading a godly life. What's missing? I am the Lord your God. You will have no other gods before me. No idols, no graven images. Those were strangely absent from the list and with good reason. So the young man had been blessed with wealth. But what did he do with it? It wasn't benefiting anybody but himself. And as I read this into my mind popped. Feed the hungry. Clothe the naked. Release the oppressed. 
keeping those commandments, don't do this, don't do that, won't achieve any of that. They're not enough. And for all his enthusiasm at the start, the young man went away disappointed and saddened. He ran to Jesus. I expect he walked away slowly, disappointedly. His life was invested in his wealth. That's what it was that made him happy. That's what gave him his social and spiritual standing. His concern was focused in on himself, on his own life, his own possessions. And Jesus said, how hard it is for the rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. William Barclay spoke of material wealth as tending to fix a man's heart to this world. Now it's like the precious thing that you nail upon the wall. You are fixing your affections to the things of this world, making it so important that actually it's quite difficult to contemplate leaving it. When you're in that state, there's a, a little um, axiom, probably not quite the right word, but in that state, you know the price of everything, but you know the value of nothing. You have attached your affections to the things of price. You have lost sight of the things that are important. And Jesus says, a man who trusts only himself and his possessions will find salvation impossible. Yet, of course, for the Jews, this was a very strange notion. The rich were blessed by God, the ones at the front of the queue. So when Jesus said this, the disciples thought and said, if not the rich, then how do any of us gain salvation? Let's just, with a, a, a bit of benefit of hindsight here, apply some of this to us today. I had a look yesterday. My teacher's pension puts me in the top 10% of the world's wealthiest people. If you arranged all the people in the world with the poorest at that end and the richest at that end and you pulled out the middle one, their annual income is £2,500. We are rich. We are richer than 90% of the world's population. This story is about us. There's no... There's no avoiding that. We are rich. So what about our salvation? A camel through the eye of a needle. 
a camel through the eye of the needle. First century Palestine, the biggest animal they knew of, the smallest aperture they knew of. It isn't going to happen. It's not going to happen. It sounds impossible because it is. There is no way for me to choose to enter the kingdom. God in his grace may admit me, but that lies outside my decision. I can be standing in the queue, but I can't buy a ticket. When I get to the front, what have I got? I can only arrive at the door and pray that my friend who's already in the party is going to recognise me and say, yes, come in. It is hard. If it's hard for the rich man in first century Palestinian think, it is hard for everyone. How hard is it? Read the accounts of Passion Week. That's how hard it is. It's not impossible. With God, nothing's impossible. But it isn't hard. It wasn't hard. My apologies. Of course it was. It was as hard as it could be. God doesn't force his grace upon us, however. I have to put myself in the way of God's grace. If you like, I have to go and stand in the queue. If I'm not in the queue, I'm not going to get in. I have to trust God more than anything else. So for us, who are rich, to put ourselves in the way of God's grace, remembering that nothing with him is impossible, for us to put ourselves in the way, we have to ensure that we are not sustained by our trust in our wealth. We have to try not to be upset when centre parks won't let us cancel. Because actually, at the end of it all, the money doesn't matter. We have to try that. We have to join the queue. We have to pray, as I said, that our friend who is already inside will know us as we know him and will invite us in. A few weeks ago, at the start of Lent, I urged you to consider 40 days of generosity, of selflessness, rather than 40 days of self-denial. Now here we are looking at wealth, <clears throat> and I hope not in the sense of denying ourselves, but in the sense of thinking, of feeling, what might my wealth achieve? Of looking at the plight of others, of seeing lives that we could make a difference in. An outward-looking approach, not a self-centred one, 
You know, that self-denial thing is all about self. Generosity is all about others. That's why we were missing those vital commandments. I am the Lord your God. Worthy of reverence. I should be at the centre of your life. Honour the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength and possessions. As a steward, all those things are at God's disposal. He gives us our mind, our strength, our soul, our spirit. He gives us our possessions to use for the kingdom. We might not be called, as the young man was, to sell all and give to the poor. But you know, we are all called to consider the plight of others. We are all called to love our neighbour as ourselves and to try and respond as Christ would have done. Remember what I said a couple of weeks ago? Remembering my kids coming back from Soul Survivor with their little wristbands, WWJD. And I said, what on earth's that? Some sort of band? No, they said, Dad, it's what would Jesus do? What would he do? 